Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, and Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel! Happy New Year! Happy New Year! And I thought we were rebranding this like a book podcast. What happened? That would require me reading things. You can, but just think how much more you could read if you stopped watching TV. <laughs> Don't. I can't do that. That's too depressing. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I did read over break, uh, over our like recording break, over winter break for those who are in school. Yeah. Um, I read some comments. That I didn't know we had, including one at Libsyn. Can they leave comments there? Apparently they can, and I didn't okay. know that. Like, I didn't know that either. This is how I didn't see a comment in June from, mm-hmm. I want to say, John, about Paige and yes. the Americans. Um, so, sorry about that, John. Uh, John says, here's what's going to happen to Paige. She's going to drink some of that vodka. She's going to go back home. She's going to get taken by the FBI and she's going to just say like she didn't know anything and she didn't do any work for the Russians and she's just going to play it all off. Uh, and she was horrified to find out until she ditched her parents when they crossed the border uh, and turned herself in and Stan's not going to out her. And uh, for various reasons, you uh, guys can go check him out of Libsyn. Uh, but Stan's going to just, like, help her out, just, like, not throw her to the wolves. And then then they can actually have their family, at least somewhat. Uh, so, so Paige and Henry will be interrogated by the feds, but they will not be charged or imprisoned. And I don't think that's what the show would say would happen, but I don't care because I like it. <laughs> what do you think does it sound too too uh, happy for uh, an american sending it sounds way too happy for that show yeah well, i like it i like it john i mean um it depends on how you want to like approach it since like the weird metatextualness of the show of uh, from their their relationship outside the show is so adorable mm-hmm. and lovely <laughs> that it's just like oh they're going to hockey games together and they're so cute on the kiss cam <laughs> Good times. Good times. Very adorable. Um, we also got a review from Zandani uh, last March that I didn't know happened. Uh, it was an iTunes, so thank you. Five stars. I love the breadth of shows and topics they cover. Excellent. Thank you very much. Um, more recent listener feedback. We heard from Marcus, who was asking about Adventure Time. And, uh, and he said, I took your advice and skipped most of the back half of the first season of Adventure Time and dove in with season two, and I must say I enjoyed it a lot more. I liked that they started building out the world and made good use of secondary characters like Bubblegum, Ice King, and Marceline. I also binged it more, which really helped, and I got the closing credits song stuck in my head, which is great. I'm glad that you feel that way, Marcus, because I also think it's great, and also it's like it comes back in a really potent way later on. Um, now that I've gotten through the third season, it's it's now Steven Universe in that I that, that he's got to find um, legally uh, so that he can watch some more. Um, so thank you for your advice and thank you for letting us know what happened, Marcus. Grateful to hear it. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad that it uh, worked out for you, that Adventure Time leveled out, which I feel like is going to be a lot of people's experience, because that first season is just a little... It's a very weird. Yeah, it's very <laughs> weird. It's definitely very weird. Um, we also heard from Susan about the best of episode. Enjoyed the episode. Have Even having read several top 10 and 20 of the end of the year lists, I found your choices and reasons interesting. And yes, it's hard to believe that no other lists included Queen Sugar. Susan... Glad you're on board. It's so hard to believe that still. I'm just going to grumble about it every year now until Queen Sugar gets canceled. Pretty much. Pretty (laughs) much. We heard from Witness Aria. Like, I know I say this every time, Witness Aria, but I just, I I just love your handle so much. Um, And, and their top 30 is Americans, Better Call Saul, Sense 8, woo, not just me, Craziest Girlfriend, Haunting of Hill House, Dietland, Patriot, Barry, Killing Eve, Sharp Objects, Timeless, Homecoming, Altered Carbon, Cloak and Dagger, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Daredevil, One Day at a Time, Bob's, The Good Place, Big Mouth, Bojack, The Tick, iZombie, Legion, Detroiters, Rape Jokes by Cameron Esposito, which apparently I really need to watch because I've seen that several places and I haven't seen it. Um, Nanette by Hannah Gadsby, James Ackester, Ackester? Repertoire, Planet Earth 2, Full Frontal. I could maybe narrow it a bit, but it's hard. I feel you on that, obviously. It, it is difficult. Yeah. Yeah, it's super difficult. Sometimes. But these are some excellent choices. And I, I really like seeing Planet Earth 2 on there. Yeah. It wasn't, it's not always like for me, it's not like, it's not my wheelhouse, but I could see how that would be yeah. like perfect viewing for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. And they've got um, dynasties dropping soon, uh, which is like their focus on animal families. Yeah, I've been seeing lots of ads for that one um, while watching like Doctor Who and stuff. Yeah, BBC America sent me like a bunch of trailers for it, uh, screeners for it, and I just went, oh, something called Dynasties. That sounds neat. And I finally saw a trailer for it last night and went, oh, this is about animals. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, are you going to watch it? Uh, maybe the Penguin episode? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta stay on brand um, yeah. but otherwise probably not <laughs> probably not. fair enough yeah I, that's not probably gonna be one for me um, but I'm sure it'll be very well made and exactly the thing the people who are looking for it they, those who tune in will probably love it um, but when it's, I think those are some excellent choices and like pretty much all of those that I have seen I really liked so you have excellent taste good job um this week on the show, we are talking about a late entry to 2018, which definitely would have been a contender. Well, it probably would have been a contender for me. Um, yeah, it would have been a contender for a bunch of categories, I feel like. Lots um, of but yeah, that raises a question about how much of this can we add, tack into our best of lists for 2019? <laughs> yeah, well, when they drop the whole season on December 30th, I don't feel yeah. bad for them for not making any of the lists. Yeah. That's on them. Yeah, it is. But, you know, it was still good. Yes. Yes. So more on this in a moment. But Angie Tribeca season four, we'll be talking about that at the end of the show. Um, For now, let's take a break and we will come back with our week in comedy and reality. So much TV over the break. Like there was a lot of it this time. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be right back after this.
This week in comedy, we're going to talk a bit about the Gronish premiere, Better and Nothing Was the Same. Then I'll talk a bit about the the finale of I Feel Bad, I Don't Know My Dad, and There's Never Enough Time. This was uh, These aired last uh, December, uh, a few weeks ago, but I figured I would wind up sort of my thoughts on I Feel Bad, the only new show that I actually stuck with um, yeah. last year. Uh, then we have, of course, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. We have the first three episodes. We'll talk just sort of about the season so far and probably, I would imagine, some Snatch Game before we go over to Top Chef and check in with it. Most specifically, again, we just had Restaurant Wars, so we got to talk Restaurant Wars. So first up is Grownish, and I forgot that this was coming back until I saw it pop up on my DVR, uh, and I was just not... Like, oh, I can't wait to watch Gronish. But then as soon as I started watching it, I was very pleasantly black back in this world. Um, what was your experience with this premiere? Were you, like, anticipating it coming back? Or just sort of, you know, did you enjoy the premiere? Were you not missing it? I was missing it a little bit. Um, I do think that the show, like, in season one was good, but suffered from, like, having too large of a cast. And it's fun watching them sort of deal with that in the premiere by still just giving everyone little bits about what they did during their summer vacation, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was good. But at the same time, it just really called attention to just how big this cast is and sometimes how a little unwieldy it can get. And also the fact that they just kind of glazed over her addiction to pills. Yeah. Um, I like that they specifically called it an addiction. Yes. But but then didn't do, deal with it in any way, shape or form. No, no. Yeah. I still hope um, they're going to come back to that. Hopefully, this week was a weird week for me and people on pharmaceuticals, as we'll get to when we discuss genre. Mm -hmm. Um, But so I knew this was coming back and I knew it was coming back like at a weird time. This is always a weird time for shows to roll out. Um, So while I liked better, I think nothing was the same was a stronger entry for me, um, in part because of the specificity, specificity, how specific it was. I'm leaving that in now because that was awesome. Yeah, no, please, absolutely do it. <laughs> um, how specific it was in sort of a young person type of experience of navigating that kind of relationship and how their communication was functioning. And I really liked how that played out with the social media, long distance, close distance type of dichotomy sort of thing getting played out there. And I thought that was really good and really of a kind to that age group basically. So I really enjoyed that. And so I'm glad to have Gronish back. Um, I'm really hoping that given their sort of mission statement uh, in the premiere of, no, we're not going to do a sequel. We're going to do something better is what they're going to carry through with. And I'm so as a result of that, I'm kind of holding them to a little bit of a higher standard because they're wanting to do this growth idea, which means growth for their characters, but also for their show as a whole. So we'll see where they go uh, with that. So how did you feel about this premiere? And did you miss Chris Parnell? <laughs> I did not miss Chris Parnell. Um, I I think that he is very good in that role and works actually way better than Charlie in that role. But I also understand that they had too big a cast and they needed to uh-huh. cut somewhere. And that was an easy place to cut. And I obviously didn't want them to get rid of Charlie. So uh, if they had to choose... One of the air quotes adults, fair enough. Um, it doesn't make any sense. It make, he makes way more sense as the teacher, but we'll see. 
We'll see what they do. Uh, I did like some of the choices that they made here. I like having the three, like sort of segmenting, like sort of making a tier structure to the mm-hmm. cast with having the three that are in the apartment and the other two are in the dorms. It also makes sense with their with those characters not having the money, you know, not having rich parents. They can get some to support you know, help support the apartment. Um, I liked, you know, even just on a shipping level, um, I'm, I'm much more interested in what they're doing here with, with Luca, because it feels like then they're going to do something more interesting by the end of the season, as opposed to starting off idyllic and then having like a bump in the road so that we can have some more will they won't like, this feels more honest and more interesting. And I think it's a better sign. Not only is are the first two episodes. I think the stuff that we get with them good um, and very real, but um, it's, it's a good sign for what may be coming. So that sort of has me encouraged. I like the awareness of um, like the, the, the ridiculousness of their, the problems like, Oh no, our apartment is messy. We'll clean it. Right. You know, like that's the level of difficulty for the first episode. Also, it's on campus apartment living. The university should have fixed that. <laughs> well, is it or is it? Because, like, I don't know. When I was at U of I, they had on campus apartments that were private, that were not connected to the university. So that was sort of what I assumed this was. Um, oh, that's a possibility. Yeah, that's fair. But, but either way, uh, I I also like them just making sure to underline we got the expensive one and that's why it's so huge. <laughs> yeah, I appreciated that too. So there are a lot of little things like that that I thought worked well. I am interested to see where they progress some of the other characters. Um, I look forward to hopefully having a little more class. Um, and a sense of what they're studying. That's something that I feel like most <laughs> college shows really just completely avoid and i think that is a shame because where you're spending your time when you're in school like the people you're around and the types of classes you're in can really shape your experience and yes. uh in in avoiding that by trying like having them all in class together works great because then there's a reason for them to be doing homework together there's a reason for them to be doing projects all of that it's very convenient um but if they just otherwise always skip class then or just are not in class, we're not following them in class, then we're not seeing big parts of their college experience, which is very much what this show is saying it's trying to show, to, to depict. Like the classes, like the fashion class stuff we got last season was some of the best college-based stuff. Yeah. So hopefully we'll get at least some stuff as we follow the, the, the you know, the, the characters through their studies. But I think they do a good job of making them feel like college students, and um, I'm excited for the season. Yeah, hopefully, I like I like your point about uh, focusing on class because there's a little bit of that in the second episode where it's just like, yeah, I'm dropping the gender studies class, the one class we were all going to take together. You mean mm-hmm. um, is a sort of like nice thing to acknowledge, but then it also just kind of quickly falls back away uh, f- to give room to the larger central conflict. So yeah, that would be nice. I think that would be better, and it also would afford them an opportunity to sort of like have guest stars pop in to play a professor for one one week or something Mm -hmm. which would be good yeah absolutely and the of course i forget the i mean i can't remember the character's name i apologize but showing 12 years a slave is just such it's such a perfect character choice for him that was yes it's delightful like everyone's pumped about black panther and then it's 12 years a slave (laughs) yep 
Yep. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to be watching the, the season. I look forward to seeing what else they come up with. And uh, I was surprised how like immediately back with this team I was. I mm-hmm. like, I really like this ensemble. Um, I also enjoy the ensemble over at I Feel Bad. Uh, but I, you know, I, they never really came up with enough. I mean, I don't think it's been renewed yet. Maybe it will be renewed. But if it's not, I don't think they came up with enough for the, the family to do the, the, the gaggle of guys at the workplace, you know, had hijinks that they got up to that mostly remained consistent throughout the season. But I mean, Brian George uh, gets he gets the I don't know my dad episode to really shine. And there's some really great stuff in there. But for most of the most of the season, neither uh, of of the parents really get that much to do. And it's, it's a shame. The season ended up being uh, like it. It was better than a lot of the other comedies I, I checked in with. I might have liked the mayor more if I had stuck with it, but I didn't. So maybe that like second half of that season, the beginning of 2018 would have stuck with me more than this one did at the end of 2018. Um, but you know, I was happy to have spent the time. I still really like the performers and it, it never quite lived up to what I hoped it would be, but we'll see. Maybe, maybe it'll come back. And if not, I look forward to following some of these performers and other projects in the creative team as well. So, uh, you know, it, I think for me, it says quite a bit that I did stick with I Feel Bad in a way that I didn't with like God Friend of Me is still saved on my DVR because I have to like go to the physical TV to delete the record series recording. Um, but I still don't. I've been just deleting it on my laptop <laughs> every week and not watching it. So that tells you my level of investment in the only other new show that I set a DVR pass for. Yeah. And I fell behind on God Friended Me Too. And after that really not great episode that you and I both watched. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't think I've kept up with anything really new broadcast-wise this year at all. I'm trying to think of one, and I can't. That's unusual for us. Usually there's, like, at least one or two. Yeah, normally there is, and not this year. I think Murphy Brown counts, though. I did, yeah, no, that's true. I did watch all but one episode of Murphy Brown, so... Okay. It was bad, all of it, but yeah. (laughs) Hey, you know, we, we like Jake McDormand, so... Yeah, it's McDormand. True. Wait, wait, wait what, what is it? McDormand. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, we also like RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars, and or well, we like RuPaul's Drag Race. We don't yeah. know if we like All Stars. Mixed reviews. So, what are you thinking? How are you feeling about? I mean, season four. My thoughts are pretty obvious. I'm reviewing it over at the AV Club. I've been vociferous about enjoying the season so far. Um, what have you thought of this season so far? Well. First, I want to say that I really like the group of contestants this year a lot. Um, it's a really, like, you know that I love Monet and Monique mm-hmm. because they were great on season 10. I love them a lot. And I was really glad that they were here for this. Um, I really like Trinity. And so I was very glad to see them. And I was not super thrilled to see Valentina, but I'm also glad that Valentina has significantly stepped up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're like, it feels um, right that, that she's there. Yes, exactly. And then I was just like, why is Pheromone here? And then Pheromone was not here very long. <laughs> um, but I also like uh, a little bit of exposure to some folks that I just didn't see at all, like Manila, uh, mm-hmm. who I really, really enjoy, barring the Barbra Streisand thing, which I will get to. 
Um, and Latrice I'm familiar with because Latrice has been around the world of Wonder Productions um, in various capacities. So having Latrice sh- show up as a contestant, I think is cool. But it also speaks to the fact that they're not giving Latrice a great deal to do just yet or a lot of screen time because everyone knows Latrice at this point. <laughs> um, so... I'm very happy with all the folks that are on. I just haven't been like really grooving that much on a lot of the um, challenges yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it's also like one of those th- things that I run into with all stars and we've discussed this is just like, there's never a lot of like crafting challenges because they all come with such a huge supply of clothes for the runway looks that it's just like, yeah, no, we're going to focus on this stuff. And I was explaining this to my person as well, because she's never really watched all stars before or drag race at all. So I was just like, yeah, this is a little different from this. She was just like, I'm deeply confused about why we're suddenly doing a runway. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And I just went, Oh no, this is how this works, but it works differently on the other show than it does here. And that kind of a thing. Um, so I think I liked the variety show a lot. I didn't really care for the girl group challenge. Mm-hmm. And then the Snatch Game of Love, I just, it was not good. Okay. It's not good Um, for many reasons that we can dive into. Um, But I haven't had a chance to read your reviews yet because until literally last night, I hadn't watched any of this. <laughs> <laughs> How is your person um, doing so, with it? Out of curiosity. So. Uh, she, I think, liked it. Um, both of us were really uncomfortable with some of the stuff in Snatch Game of Love, uh, mm-hmm. between the Barbara Streisand and the Jenny Bowie stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we were both just, like, very uncomfortable. Okay. Um, with some of it. Um, so, I think she's enjoying it. I don't, and she did ask me to make sure to set a pass for the rest of the season so we didn't have to deal with the wonkiness of, um, our, we use a, um, HDMI uh, radio frequency streamer since our TV is far away from our cable outlet. Mm-hmm. So it just beams it to a receiver. But for whatever reason, the receiver and the transmitter don't like on demand and it gets really glitchy sometimes and we can't figure out why. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we have a season pass so we can just fast forward through stuff without ending up in the middle of a runway after a commercial break. <laughs> yeah, that's not what you happened. Want. Especially- yeah, no, it's not. Because they have been delivering on those runways, man. They, the runway are, looks are fantastic. They, like, yeah. those queens came prepared. Even yes. Monique and Monet. Uh, yeah. And they, like, were just off of uh, season 10 when this started. Yeah. Like, they, I think there was, like, they actually, they filmed the finale for season 10 after they got the call about being on All-Stars. So, like, okay, when they were starting getting ready for season for All-Stars, uh, Monique and Monet still had to, like, put together the finale looks and everything. So, like, they had to spread their budget even yeah. further than everybody else. Um, so, yeah, it is that they've, they've been, all the queens have been delivering on, on looks, and that's terrific. Yeah. Like, my standout of the season so far is definitely that insane silver thing that um, Manila wore. It's so good. It's it's a phenomenal. I can't. I could like, not get over it. Draw, yeah. drop. Yeah, just like right. on the floor. Um, I have liked the season much more than you. I think mm-hmm. I really like you. I also really like the queen. I like. I always like when they have a like a range of different mm-hmm. kinds of strengths, but also different types of queens, like more looks queens or modeling versus comedy versus uh, pageant. Yeah. You know, and um, and they also have a good range of ages. 
which I appreciate. Yes. So having Manila there, having Latrice there, especially Latrice is like, I think 46. Um, yeah. And of course they're from season three and season four. That really gives a deeper bench than just having mm-hmm. only the like season eight, nine, 10. And I mean, the thing is where we're at right now, we have um, half the Queens, more than half the Queens that are left are season eight, nine, 10. And yep. so that. You know, we're losing some of that. And if we didn't have Manila and, uh, and, uh, sorry, Manila and Latrice there, that would really skew things to be like more recent. So I appreciate yeah. their presences. Uh, plus they're fabulous. So, you know, there's that too. Uh, Manila has been really stepping up. I think she's endgame right now, at least. I would say Trinity and Valentina are endgame too. So then it's a question of who is going to be in that fourth spot. And, uh, I think there's, you know, one of the exciting things for me about the season is that it really feels like there's a bunch of different people that it could be. It could go a couple different ways. And that is not always how it feels on All Stars. And sometimes Bendela Krem eliminates herself. So, you know, the people who are supposed to be in Endgame aren't. But, but, but having, um, a different enough set of queens and, who are all really delivering on the challenges makes a big difference. Uh, I got to ask you how you feel about the Gia Gunn of it all, because I thought that her talent in the first episode was gorgeous and should have been top two. I thought that she was just like mind bogglingly, like terrible to people like to Farah, like villain, right? And some of it aware and some of it like a choice and some of it not in episode two. And then episode three, I th- I was like, so I went on this whole ride with Gia. Obviously, I still think she was just terrible. And her discussions in episode three don't negate how terrible she was in- to Farah in episode two. But that last exchange with Manila and Gia, I thought was so good in episode three. They're getting, they got some really good TV out of Gia basically this season. So, um, and, and it really gave Farah an opportunity to stand up for herself and to raise herself in the estimation of the other of other people watching and the other queens. So I think that she actually came out, though she was out of the competition pretty quickly, she came off really well. And I'm guessing has, will get a boost in her like uh, shows and stuff from and, and merch, hopefully for, from being on All Stars. Uh, and yeah, so so I, I mean, I think she's come quite a way since she was on the regular show and if she had waited a few more years to do all-stars i think she would have been even oh, better yeah i do agree that pheromone really should have waited like a couple more years before coming out all-stars mm-hmm. um so as for the gia gun of it all um yeah th- you're absolutely correct that the talent in the first episode really should have been a lot higher because it's very good Mm-hmm. And it was really beautiful, and it was really well executed. Like, the thing with the fans, with the pedals, was really, really great. And I really liked that. And then just, I just immediately went on this downhill turn, because I didn't have any exposure to uh, Gia at all. So this was basically oh. what... Yeah, this was my first This was my first deal with Gia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I just went, oh... Why are we doing this right now? What are you getting out of this? Oh, this is bad. This is very bad. And so the whole thing with um, all the drama was being heavily manufactured mm-hmm. <laughs> with Farah um, was just really off-putting and really not great at all. And then the Jenny Bowie stuff was just 
racist. It was just <laughs> really offensive. And I don't yeah. I don't think that she was trying to do that. I like I do believe her that she was trying to be funny and she just isn't funny and doesn't yeah. know funny and is yeah. not like some some of us are not funny. I am not funny. I yeah. I know well enough to know that I am not a funny person and that is okay. Um Yeah. But here's here's what here's sort of my takeaway i didn't know who jenny Bowie was before this and after after this i went and looked her up and i'm like oh she is a fascinating person and i'm glad i know who she is now i really appreciated that michelle included yes some of that because they don't always do that they usually don't and um so at least there's that but i mean even if you're not funny, she could have done like who Jenny Bowie actually is as someone who survived like the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia and then like was separated from her f- family for a long time. And she's got family all over the world now and came to America and got married at like 18 and then divorced. And now she's married to somebody else and, and, and um, has a really supportive, wonderful husband and has kids and has built up a, a, a like an empire for herself on just on her ability to be a badass at nails um it's it's a fascinating life story and she's uh she's really interesting so even if she wasn't funny there was a much more interesting performance that she could have done yeah no and that's the thing is like everything you've told me there's some really ripe material there yeah to draw on even if it's just to sort of do a wikipedia sort of approach that uh valentina did with eartha kit mm-hmm. um which i think that she got hip checked a little too much for that eartha kit which i think is very fun mm-hmm. even if it's a little book reporty at the same time yeah that was um, just for the drama that was the only reason she yeah. was bottom two because yeah. everybody knew gia had to go home <laughs> yeah um so it was just really frustrating so i was glad when Gia was eliminated just because I wasn't feeling the dynamics here. Mm-hmm. And I was also like, well, now we can get away from that, hopefully, a bit, even though there's, like, ginning stuff up with, like, Trinity right now in particular mm-hmm. uh, across the board. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, and, yeah, so I'm ready for it to sort of kick into another gear now that we've done this. Um, I do like how they did kind of break up Snatch Game this time with like four and four. I thought that was an interesting concept to do that and allows for a little more um, better flow and traffic control almost. And so it allows people to sort of shine when they otherwise can get really quickly overshadowed, especially in the edit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that just didn't work <laughs> out um, particularly well for Latrice at all. <laughs> no. But yeah. Latrice, you got to be able to deal with that. Right. Yeah. And I think it was just like too much. Mm-hmm. And I feel that. Um, and then the only other thing I'll say, and like, I understand this concept of a caricature of a caricature, mm-hmm. but that Streisand was borderline anti-Semitic and it's a prosthetics. <laughs> and I was not a fan. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Like I, you know, I didn't, no- I didn't see that for myself because the, that's the thing with Barbara is that is her nose and that people tried to get her to get plastic surgery and uh, yeah. and she wouldn't and but it was thank so, goodness it was but, so over exaggerated for me okay that I just went this this is 
like Michelle call, calls it a character of a char- character story, and I see where she's coming from, but I just think it was like a little too much for me anyway. Well, you know, and I respect that absolutely. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not negating yeah. what you're saying. Um, but uh, yeah, that I can see how that would be a, be an issue. And for me, she wasn't that good. Like I would have yeah, put Naomi wasn't top two. Good of a Streisand either. Yeah. Oh, I think what ha- my personal conspiracy theory and i don't know of any background information to to support this but this is just my thought is that the producers caught that shot of manila talking to trinity saying yeah but like what if you could eliminate someone right yeah and they're like ding ding ding, rue you should put manila in the top or and you should put valentina in the bottom because they'll be good tv um yeah and and i would not at all be surprised if that's what happened yeah, I I assume that that is what happened. And boy, did it deliver on Good TV because that couch it talk does. with Manila and Valentina was everything. Yeah, no, it was very, very good. Um, man, Valentina is sort of like deadpan sort of reaction shots to discussions about, well, can you promise me? And then all this stuff of mm-hmm. like, it's so good. It's very good. Yeah. We we need Valentina to show up on Jane the Virgin, just like on a walk on roll or something, <laughs> like working with Rahelia or something. I feel like yeah. there's an opportunity there. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was delightful. And um, by the time y'all hear this, you will have probably seen the next episode, uh, Jersey Justice. And uh, yeah, I'm not gonna spoil you. Don't worry. But best episode of the season for me. And okay. I look forward to your thoughts. And um, yeah, uh, what can I say? What else can I say? Uh, having Michelle uh, incorporated, I thought was fun. But here's what I'll say. I always appreciate when everybody at least like does some form of well. Not not everybody's great, but like nobody like totally bombs because they there have been a, a this season so far there's usually been a pretty clear person who should go home and they have done a great job of manufacturing other drama around it so it's not a foregone conclusion or it's at least still interesting um but that is not the case in this episode and i am gonna just make some popcorn and sit back and watch twitter <laughs> <laughs> I need to finish my review first and then I'm going to just watch the reactions. Uh, it was, I, I think it's a really, it's a testament to production and producing storylines. Um, how it all comes together and how well it comes together in this next episode. So we'll talk about that next week. For now, speaking of producing storylines on reality competitions, let's talk about Top Chef and Restaurant Wars. Do you like having Restaurant Wars this early in the season and doing the three teams thing? No. Um, Neither do I. It's bullshit. Please continue. Yeah, no, it's bad. And I can only think that the reason that they did this was either the space that they wanted to use wasn't available later in the production cycle. Mm -hmm. And they just went, well, we have to do it now. Mm -hmm. Um, Or they went, well, Restaurant Wars is always like the big thing for us. So let's do it early and try to keep an retain an audience before they sort of burn out over the holidays since Mm -hmm. we know when we're going to air. And we don't. We want people to come back as quickly as possible, and uh, don't want them to forget about us. Basically, is what this also kind of felt like. So mm-hmm. either one of those I could buy, but it doesn't help the show in terms of pacing, 
and it doesn't make for as compelling sort of television when we have to do restaurant wars in three different restaurants. Yeah. Because it just gets, it gets a little repetitive at that point of like, yeah, you guys, you guys make quick little comments about the decor all you want, (laughs) but it doesn't really matter (laughs) because someone else did it. They don't have to pick that stuff out anymore and do it themselves, uh, which is good. Um, But it just didn't feel particularly exciting to do it three at a time and to do it this early when I think we're still trying to figure out who some of these people are also is like a larger issue as well, which is why watching like the team that gets the huge, huge winner edit in the first episode, Mm -hmm. um, then just watching them collapse doesn't really feel particularly compelling because it's just like, yeah, no, we know they're going to collapse. You played this up too much and you had too much time to play it up. Um, so yeah, don't do this early ever again. Don't do it with three teams. Just save it for when there's a top eight like you normally do and we'll be fine. Well, and you know what else is that the, I mean, maybe this was intentional, but it seemed yeah. like the design team was stretched too thin because I don't yeah. blame Nini as much. I mean, I do a little, but I don't blame Nini yeah. for, for her failure on front of house to, to train the staff. Yeah, um, the so much place as I, wasn't done. They didn't even have tables out. How is she supposed to do yeah. a floor plan if they yeah. don't even have tables yet? How is she like yeah. they were painting the walls like right before people showed up? There's yeah. no way those walls were dry when people got there to eat. Yeah, that is inexcusable, and that is a production thing. That is nothing on the chefs. So while yeah. yes, other teams managed better, there was it seemed like there was one design team doing all three restaurants and yes. they had to so whoever they finished first got just happened Benefited. to get the most time with an actually yeah. set up front of house so that they could train their staff so they could do the other things they needed to do and that is just really frustrating and also frustrating is hiring them servers who don't see who are flummoxed as to why they should take away a fork and knife from someone who's ordered soup Right, and this feels like something that's been recurring a lot with... It must be intentional. No, it, I, because like this was definitely an issue last season, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure it was an issue in the season before last with Restaurant Wars. And it's just... I feel like they're just making it worse by hiring people off the street and putting them in black shirts and slacks and saying, you're going to be a waiter for a couple of hours. Here's your SAG... Not SAG, but yeah. here's your mandated pay for this week of being an extra um because that's what it feels like and it's not good because it just it cooks up extra drama that isn't necessary there's already enough drama especially if you do this early in the season where they're not as into the swing of things as they would be if it was later on um they don't know each other as well they're not working as a team theoretically as well or you know having as much behind the scenes of drama baking into their you know interactions um so it's already hard enough. They don't need to make it harder. Was there a particular dish that you thought looked really interesting or good that you would have liked to try? Did you have a preference of restaurant or not really? And who looks good for the finale or for the finals? Um, Yeah, nothing really stood out to me. I was really interested in trying Nini's chocolate. Mm-hmm. 
um, dish just because conceptually that sounded really interesting, but then we didn't get to see it because it didn't come together in any way, shape, or form. Um, It sounded really conceptually kind of interesting. Um, Kelsey's dessert looked good, though. Kelsey's dessert did look really good. I liked this idea of thistle and this vegetable-forward sort of menu, and then it was just a bunch of proteins on a plate, and I just Mm -hmm. went... Where are the vegetables exactly? That pasta looked good. <laughs> no, I think the pasta is probably the one thing that stood out to me is like, I would eat just bowls of that because <laughs> it looked delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that anyone's particularly standing out to me just yet. I worry that Brandon's going to like kind of get through because even though they've toned down his horrible stuff from like the first couple episodes. Yeah. And he's much more agreeable at this point. Um, um, so we're, I'm waiting to see what's going to come out of that. Um, I think that there's some good stuff with Michelle has potential. She made the pasta, right? Um, yes, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of banking on that. Um, but those are like the only two that are like kind of standing out to me, but also like last change kitchen has the potential to really throw this into kind of up in the air, depending on who wins the mini restaurant war Hmm. battle between Nini and brother, who are the two that, um, we find out next week, um, who wins yeah, and who gets to go back into the game immediately. I can't decide who I think it's going to be based on the laws of editing. And the yeah. narratives they've been setting up, because um, I feel I felt like it had to be Nini because they were setting up this Nini Justin tension. Like, yes. why continue to set that up if she's not coming back? But it really, I think it could go either way. Um, I am totally with uh, Carrie. By the way, on her, did you watch her when she got eliminated? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She said it said make a breakfast spread. It didn't say make. Yes one plate it said yeah. make a spread no. so she made a spread and no yeah. one else she did. got eliminated for a bs reason that was stupid or they should have been more specific in their yeah. verbiage or nounage actually but because her plate looks her plate was breakfast yeah like, that's actually breakfast. breakfast yeah yeah not just a perfect omelet but like yeah. a breakfast spread that's what she actually deserved or delivered yeah. you know then that's yeah anyways okay do you have any other thoughts on on top chef or if not what was your week in comedy and reality um i mean i'm gonna give it to our um special segment andrew tribeca Mm -hmm. um when my winter holiday break of comedy (laughs) and reality um but we'll talk about why in our third segment yeah what about you oh drag race all stars. Okay. I'm yeah. I'm living for it. I am super enjoying it, and we'll talk more about it next week. Uh, now that I've overhyped it for you, I've definitely overhyped. Yeah, no, it. it's gonna be like can't the worst episode ever. Now, yeah, no, that's how it works. <laughs> uh, but, but let's take a break, listen to a little uh, familiar, and come back with our weekend genre. Staring up at the ceiling Familiar, I swear that I know this feeling Where everybody wants me to be mine And everything I do, I do it wrong I'll sway them with a joke or with a song And maybe that'll help us get along 
That was Stephen singing on one of the episodes from the Winter Hiatus for us uh, on Stephen Universe. Uh, this week in genre, we're going to talk about the timeless, or I'm going to say, I'm going to talk about the timeless finale movie, The Miracle of Christmas, parts one and two. Um, then you'll talk about season two of Marvel's Runaways and whether I should get caught up on it. We'll both talk about Stephen Universe, Legs from Here to Homeworld, Familiar and Together Alone, and we'll round things out with Doctor Who's New Year special resolution. So first up is the timeless finale movie. And I really liked it. This was lovely. It really delivered on what um, what it needed to, and it it was structured very much as two episodes, like with a with a pause point and like a conclusion to each one. I thought it really worked. It was well written and paced. Um, it had appropriate character beats throughout. It really uh, it didn't save. Let's go get Rufus. They didn't like like have him be saved at the very end they didn't save it for the climax they they did a little early in the episode in a way that was really satisfying um and like just a little surprising enough kilter but totally made sense um i liked uh yeah i thought that they got satisfying character conclusions for for what we expected but also a few things that i didn't anticipate them actually touching on um i I thought that I I wouldn't have made the same choices as the characters, but I think that they justified those choices for them. The writers did a good job and the performers did a good job. And um, yeah, it was just a really lovely, very Christmas special way to end. <laughs> like it, it felt so like UK Christmas special and mm-hmm. in a really lovely way. And so it was a, it was a very well done like capper to the series i'm sure timeless fans are very happy with it i haven't sought out that much of the fan reaction but um yeah it was lovely and uh, i'm very glad that that i watched it and glad that they that they you know nbc did it and um yeah ending with the like the christmas miracle of the evacuation of North Korea with like the the ship that can hold 14 people as like 14 bunks or no it was like 60 bunks but they instead saved 14,000 refugees <laughs> it was it was such a great like setting and way to to tie in the christmas like themes and all of that in a really satisfying way so yeah it was it was lovely i really enjoyed it and um yeah Good stuff. Thank you, Timeless. Thank you, Timeless team. Uh, how is Marvel's Runaways? Should I dive in with season two? I've heard mixed things. Right. So I've watched the first seven episodes. They have 13 this season. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but seven episodes is sort of like the first seven episodes sort of comprise a long conclusion to season one. <laughs> <laughs> Plus like a couple of like small mini arcs um, in between. Um, I think that there's this show is still pretty entertaining and I still really like all the characters and the actors, uh, both uh, the teens and the parents here. Um, But the season is definitely very inelegant. Um, There's a lot of we came to the conclusion and we're writing backwards type of plotting. That is not my favorite thing. And there's a lot of it sort of like chained together, which is real bad um for me um like some of it is we want to get darius um to this particular place 
but we need to basically separate um, Wilder from the rest of the cast for three episodes for really no super clear duper reason, just because we need to develop Darius in that subplot so that we can have what happens happen. And so that was really frustrating. Um, There's a whole thing with um, Gert not having access to the the medication that she needs to like function uh-huh. and there's a and this is basically for five episodes that there's a discussion about Gert basically sort of like her anxiety really ratcheting up and how she's handling that and how the rest of the team air quotes is handling that and it's really frustrating because I was watching this with my person and we're just like why aren't they knocking over a pharmacy to get her meds? Because they're perfectly willing to steal from their own high school to get a supercomputer, but they won't go get her meds. <laughs> yeah. And it's really weird because it's 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 just super weird and it's really frustrating to watch them not really do anything about her well-being even though she's been very clear about the fact that to a certain degree her anxiety is being ratcheted up because she doesn't have access to her meds it's and the situation isn't helping but there's no i there's no pushback from anyone or even Gert herself going we need to go get something for me mm-hmm. <laughs> and Gert finally like eventually takes matters into her own hands, but it also results in, again, the whole reason why that we didn't knock over a pharmacy <laughs> was to get to the Chase slash Janet stuff at the end of that resolution was what they wanted the whole time. So we waited five episodes, which is only a matter of days within the show's like timeline, to get to the point where Gert gets her meds. And it's just deeply frustrating to watch them do that so there's a lot of again writing backwards to do achieve a goal that they want um overall it's still really entertaining though um they bring in a character from the comics heavily modified based on what my person told me because oh right before this aired she read like the first i want to say 24 to 36 issues in a collected volume um, and they heavily modified that character, so it's much more grounded um, in this universe as opposed to what he is in the comic. Um, and there's still really good stuff with the parents, um, though they're not at each other's throats as much, which makes them less fun to watch as they're trying to figure out how to deal with Jonah. Um, but Julian Sands is having a really, really good time. And that makes up for a lot of sins on, like, the parental side. So episode seven marks the end of sort of, like, a complete sort of storyline as a number of things get resolved. And I'm curious to see what's going to happen in this, like, back section of the season, since they still have, like, six episodes or so left. Um, And what that looks like and how they deal with the fact that their primary threat seems to be eliminated in some fashion. And what that looks like now going forward. So I'm curious to see what that is. Um, as for whether or not you should catch up, just don't binge it if you do. Okay. Um, is sort of like my recommendation. And I think binging this particular season 
amplifies the flaws a lot more than it enhances any sort of like pleasure that you get from the show. Um, so maybe do like a couple and then take a little bit of a break, do a couple more, take a little bit of a break, do a couple more is probably the best way to watch this. Um, as opposed to watching it in a long stretch, which is what my person and I basically did of, we watched like seven episodes in the course of like a day and a half. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a great idea for the shows in this particular season. Okay. Good to know. Yeah, that's it's frustrating to watch a show that should know better right. treat mental health as something other than health. Yes. And um this feel this felt like a show that would know better, but apparently not. Right. And I think a lot of it boiled down to the fact that they wanted they may have wanted a representation of this is why mm -hmm. medication can be helpful. Yeah. And there shouldn't be a stigma attached to that. And that is absolutely correct. However, it counters that of, well, they won't do anything about it, but mm -hmm. they will do all these other things instead. And that's really, that's a really fine line to walk. And they don't, they don't walk it. Yeah. So it's really frustrating. Yeah. Well, sorry to hear that. We'll see if yeah. I catch up with it. If I do, I will chime in with my thoughts. Um, but for now, we got to talk Steven. Um, so we had three episodes, Legs from Here to Homeworld, Familiar, and Together Alone. Now, remind me, did we talk on Mike about Legs from Here to Homeworld previously? No, we hadn't. We hadn't. So wh <gasps> what did you think? White. So, right. I was really glad with um, the character design for White Diamond. I think it's really great. Mm -hmm. um, I like the sort of like the high eye shadow sort of thing that they give her is yeah. really great with that really lit up head, I think is really great. And then like their decision to cast um, Christine Ebersole as the voice and Ebersole has such a distinct voice from everyone else of the diamonds that it's just kind of chef's kiss. Perfect for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is also, like, naturally someone who's got a very different sort of singing voice as well. So I'm very much waiting for a White Diamond song. <laughs> um, Ebersol's worked with, like, Patti Lapone in the past as well, which is very exciting. Um, so I think that there's really good um, sort of connection for there. But I also just like how through White Diamond's sort of weird sort of denial of things, plus her cracked pearl... Of how really sort of very bad things are in Homeworld. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm really curious to see that expanded out because that cracked pearl is really disturbing, Kate. It's really disturbing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, it's definitely like Halloween scary disturbing for me in a lot of ways. And I really like it. Um, so I really like the White Diamond. I like the how i like steven dressed up as um pink a mm -hmm. lot and i like how the show just kind of goes yeah no we're cool we're not we're not addressing this in any way shape or form we're just mm -hmm. doing this um i was <laughs> my person and i were both just like are they gonna do a whole episode that's a ballet <gasps> do a whole episode that's a ballet oh. do a whole episode that's a ballet that would have been awesome it would have been so good um but I really like these three episodes. Um, 
And I'm just eager for more, basically, is what it is. Like, I just want the rest of this Diamond Days drop that we're getting from this. Um, how are you feeling about it? Um, I really liked Legs uh, from Here to Homeworld. I thought Familiar was okay, but I was, you know, less uh-huh. in- entranced. I liked the what, what we get with the ballet um, yeah. at the beginning of Together Alone. And having that be this weird dream thing was, was really neat. Um, and I just... It feels very choppy. I want to watch this as a two-hour movie, you know? Um, so I think some of the way that we're watching it is not helping. We do have a one-hour, like, special or multi-part episode airing all, all together pretty soon, like a week or two from yes. now. So I I'm, so, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Um, but but certainly, I think, the de- like, they've delivered on the promise of white and mm-hmm. on the design and the voice, like you say, and also on the interactions with with blue and yellow and like the whole dynamic with those three. And then you throw Steven in is really interesting. So having um, like Stevani thrown into the mix here and the stuff with Garnet is really uh, compelling. And I want to watch the next one now, please into my eyeballs. Pretty much, pretty much. Um, I did enjoy like the ball sequence of like, so two other random gems merging and saying i knew it wasn't just me yeah right it was just like oh that's so good and then they immediately get separated (laughs) yeah they are immediately shut down yeah and i also appreciated opal immediately getting shut down of like oh right no we can't get amy mann anymore uh for (laughs) yeah (laughs) so opal has to get separated immediately right now (laughs) yeah yeah indeed well and just um to really highlight, no, it's going to have to be Steven. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. So we'll see what happens with it. I'm excited for it. I like the the overhead shots of the dance being gears. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's pretty straightforward, but it was still well done. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we'll see what comes next. Let's talk about the Doctor Who New Year special resolution. This is our last Doctor Who until 2020. Um, so we have the return of the Daleks, or a Dalek. And how did, how did this work for you? Um, I'm glad that we kind of saved this for like a special, um, since one of the things I had sort of enjoyed about this season, um, was the lack of like standard who VN sort of villains villains. and stuff and planets Um, and yeah. Right. Exactly. So when I figured out it was a Dalek and I figured it out kind of quickly because I didn't know it was going to be a Dalek, but I figured it out kind of quickly because I just went... That looks like a Dalek. It looks like a really big Dalek, but it looks like a Dalek. Um, and so I liked this concept of them as like mind controls, body control sort of things. I thought it was kind of neat. And you can tell me if I've done this in the past or not. Um, so I appreciated how that kind of played out. Um, and I, what I have to assume is like some good-ish puppet work on some of it. Because some of it looked puppet. Some of it very much looked cg um and so i liked the, all of that um so i thought generally i thought it was good i was sort of disappointed when it was like oh it just cobbled together some armor for itself oh well now we're just going to do dalek stuff now and that was <laughs> kind of frustrating to me it was just like oh well 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 but this is kind of an older dalek so maybe they won't have jet no no they've got jet pack okay mm-hmm. all right well because i figured we would just thwart them with stairs again <laughs> um um but th- so when it shifted in the second half of no we're just gonna do kind of standard dalek stuff 
Um, that was kind of frustrating. Um, but some of the other stuff I think really kind of saved it. I liked seeing 13 deal with Daleks, even if it's still very much a, I'm, I appreciated that Whitaker's performance sort of bled through of like, yes, no, we're doing Daleks again. And I'm very tired of it. Sort (laughs) of like from a doctor's perspective of like, I can't get rid of these people and I'm kind of tired of dealing with them. Um, so I liked how that kind of came through. Um, I didn't particularly, I called using the microwave in some capacity immediately. It was just like, check off microwave right there. (laughs) Um, so overall, I thought it was fine. Um, I thought the the biggest misstep, though, was shoehorning Ryan's dad into this did a disservice to that storyline in a lot of ways. And I really felt like, yes, regardless of how Ryan was go- Ryan's dad was going to, Aaron was going to appear in this, it was always going to be in the context of some other monster or some other, like, alien threat. But I think that having it be a Dalek is too big and it shifts focus away from what's been kind of a central tension for Ryan for that run for the first run of the season. So I thought that that was sort of a mistake on their part to do it like this, but it also to me indicated that while this is something that they had written in, maybe it was something that they just didn't want to necessarily too deeply explore, which is why they kind of resolve it here and as quickly as they do resolve it. So that was kind of like a very scattered type of thing. How did you feel about it? Um, I also enjoyed it. I I liked it um, probably a little more than you, but not Uh as much as a lot of other people seem to have. Okay. I've seen it get very positive reviews. People really love it. And that's great. Uh, I thought it was very good. And I also liked that we saved the Dalek for the special. And uh, I did think it was much better than the actual finale. uh, Mm -hmm. Battle and the Rev. Yeah. Yeah, this is much better. Um, however, I would have liked a full season and special with no Daleks, <laughs> with no, with all new. But I do get the 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 draw and the lore, the allure of of bringing back the the, the Doctor's greatest foe um, for the the New Year special. The Cybermen weren't in this episode. <laughs> sick burn sick burn there um, um especially when you're going to be off the air for a full year like i get it and it, i think it yeah. works um i think having the the ryan and his dad stuff in this episode sort of distracts away from figuring out that it's the daleks because you figure they aren't going to do them both in the same episode so for me that actually was really effective and i liked um i just expected them to kill the dad <laughs> so uh, especially after how killy all season has been right uh the, the fact that they didn't kill the dad in this episode was pretty surprising it was scary it was appropriately properly scary and um and i i want to say they've done this like piloting a person taking them hostage thing before but i haven't okay. seen other people talking about that so maybe i'm confusing a different show or maybe i'm making it up or maybe it was in some like fan comic or fanfic that i read or something um but I could have sworn we've done this before. So, like, because when when it's on her back, I was like, oh, we're doing that. Okay, we've done this. And then it's like, wait, no, this is a Dalek. Wait, this is new. 
Okay, so what's happening? <laughs> so um, I, I am falling down on the job as our resident Whovian, um for not having a better answer for that for you. So I apologize. But um, it's okay. <laughs> it, it felt familiar, but in a good way, in a like a this is Doctor Who kind of way. Yeah. So I thought that that really worked. I really liked the performance from the actor who is, you know, taking over. I thought she did a great right. job. And yeah, she's um, from um, Midwife. Um... Called Midwife? Yeah, um, I I also uh, thought that the you know I liked the visual callbacks and parallels to the Dalek creating its armor and the Doctor creating her Sonic in the premiere. Like there were some nice little moments like that that felt appropriately full circle as opposed to didactically full circle. And um, having these other, you know, like I, I think in a different episode, if it wasn't a New Year's special or a Christmas special. Ryan's dad would have died, but yeah. not wanting to kill his dad in a Christmas special, in a New Year special, I think, like, I get it. I Fair enough. And I also think that it would be good for the show to switch to New Year specials for a few years here. I think it would, you know, like, take a break from Christmas, and there's plenty of things you can explore around the topic of the new year in this case yeah. resolution and you know like that's the name of the episode that's we're resolving the tension to some extent with ryan's dad and and um and fully resolved tension like completely laid to rest with ryan and graham um yes there hopefully they'll fix this in 2020 um give her more to do but um in 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 general, it was a exciting and fun episode. Well done, well directed, and 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 performed, and pretty well written. And I think a good note to go out on as we wait for the show to come back with the, its next full season. It's certainly a better use of the Daleks than we've had in a while. Yeah, even based on like from what I remember of when I'm watching, this was a more entertaining sort of Dalek episode for like half of it for me, and then it just fell into standard Dalek stuff. Um, one thing that I did really enjoy was the Doctor trying to get in touch with Unit was, yeah, that was hilariously awesome. <laughs> really funny to me. Like, that yeah. was my favorite bit in the entire episode was that whole thing. I thought it was really great. The casting for the person, for the call center person was just, like, really good. Mm -hmm. But then the other thing I really liked about it was this implication that its European partners had pulled out of, like, funding unit and as such was, like, tied up in, like, budgetary stuff within Britain itself. And I just went, oh, so you mean Brexit didn't help you stop aliens from coming into the country in any way, shape, or form? Hmm. Imagine that! <laughs> and it felt like a really subtle jab at that. Or not-so-subtle jab. Or not-so-subtle, depending on how you want to interpret it. Um, yeah. So I really enjoyed that as well. Um, so that... That, I think, was legitimately my favorite part, because the Doctor was so frustrated mm -hmm. <laughs> to find that Unit didn't exist anymore, mm -hmm. basically. I've seen some people freaking out about that. It's like, guys, they said it's temporarily shelved because of funding. So they, yeah. all they need is a line about how they re-secured funding and Unit's yeah. back. Like, it's, yeah, come that's on. that's all they need. It's fine. It's fine. That's all they need. Yeah, so it was it was a fun episode, and that was oh, that was you're absolutely right. That was the cherry on the on, on the top. It was just very just so well done, well well executed, well delivered, and appropriately uh, responded to, shall we say, by the Thirteenth yeah. Doctor. Um, what wins your week in genre? Um, I'll give it to Steven Universe. Mm -hmm. uh, this break, excuse me. Um, what about you? Uh I'm torn because I liked mm -hmm. a lot of these. Um. I think I'll give it to the timeless finale. Right. 
yeah, it was a lovely finale. Very nice. Yeah. Well done. Go team. Um, now we'll take a break and come back with our season spotlight on Angie Tribeca season four. I'm going to ask you this one last time and God damn it, I want an answer. Do you want water? Surprise. We're dropping an all new season of Angie Tribeca. All right, Tribeca, Angie, whatever the hell your name is. There never was an Angie Tribeca. Watch every episode. This is Angela Giles Jr. Son, you abandoned when he was two. Lieutenant? Starting Saturday at 8. It's Captain now. Captain, what's... It's not Captain anymore. I left the force years ago. On TBS. We've been recruited to something called the Special Division Force. Our only job is to follow the orders of the Vice President. The man who threw me into jail? He's the only Vice President we've got. All I care about is the safety of this nation. You locked me up and threw away the key. I didn't know that was the only copy. This Saturday... If you thought you knew Angie Tribeca... Get your head in the game. Listen, Angela. Call me Adrian. Think again. Besides my birth, this is the first thing you and I have done as mother and son. That is not fair. I abandon you to make my life easier. Don't remember the stuff you forgot. See that pinprick? Someone tap this ass. And forget everything you thought you didn't know. He's peeing out! I can't close it off! I've never learned how to tie a knot. Because this Angie Tribeca... I'm desperate to do a lot of laundry. ...is not the Angie Tribeca. Ugh, they didn't clean. You initially thought you forgot to know in the first place. My gut says we should pursue this. Carl Reiner. It's an honor to meet you, sir. Why? Haven't you ever met anyone? Rose Byrne. Are you wearing a wire? He's me! Take him out. He's my son. Oh, shit, right. Isla Fisher. Back off, old man. Angelica Houston. Heather Graham. Carol Burnett with Bobby Cannavale as Angela Giles and Rashida Jones is Angie Tribeca. Watch every episode starting Saturday at 8. How do we know for even the good guys? Look me in the eye. We are the good guys. I stole the dead teacher from the cops. Now what? On TBS. We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And that was a trailer for season four of Angie Tribeca, which we're excited is back with very little notice. Um, They aired all the episodes of the season on TBS on December 29th and December 30th, just in time for us to to be eligible on our 2018 list, but no possible way anyone could have actually included it. Uh, Way to go. Way to go, TBS. Um, But they don't care about lists clearly um wh- what did you think of the approach this season we jumped 20 years in the future um <laughs> did we <laughs> yeah and we've got uh rashida jones is playing the 20 years older angie tribeca uh, whose name is not actually angie tribeca and bobby cannavale is her like 18 or 22 year old son um 22 year old son yeah and even though and delightfully they're like four to five years apart in real life in actual age yeah, yeah. It, it's it's the uh the supergirl approach Try yeah crier should not be lex moving on um the uh the the my favorite thing like it, it, is that each episode now and we don't we don't get that awesome yeah like burn thing which i do miss yeah. i miss that very much but what we do get is the dis- discussion of how each episode they're going to infiltrate a different genre to have their heist and each episode is in a parody of a different type of of uh tv episode or show or, or approach um did you have a, f- a particular favorite parody that they did what did you think of this approach to the season did it end up paying off right so um 
a couple of ones really worked well for me. Um, Trader Foes, I think, is like their strongest sort of parody one that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, in no small part because, I mean, you get Rose Byrne and it's just good. Mm-hmm. Like, she elevates anything. The guest um, cast this season was, like, ridiculous. They got Angelica Houston. They got Angelica Houston. They got Angel- Angelica Mother Houston, yeah. They got Angelica Houston, Kate. To play Meryl I Streep. Mean, <laughs> yeah, and, which is just so good. Yeah. On so many different levels. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, um, and I also really enjoyed um, parts of freezing cold prestige drama. Mm-hmm. Even if the execution of the overall episode I don't think quite works. Mm-hmm. But that whole bit of that scene where we see two people walking through the town... And we're getting dialogue over it as if those two people walking are the ones having the conversation. And then we cut to the two people having the conversation on the bench where it's been the entire time. And then we never see those other two people walk past them. Mm -hmm. It's so good. It was so good. (laughs) My person and I rewound it and watched it again because we both just died laughing at it. Um but I also appreciated how they just really aped all of the Noah Haley type stuff in the, that episode really, really effectively. The quality um, of the light in the bar was yes. just, just chef's kiss. Yeah, no, it's really well executed. And even if the episode, I think, relies ends up relying too heavily on a No Country for Old Men reference, that has no business being in here. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, though, I think that there's really generally really solid execution of their genre parodies even if some of them felt a little old like the glee one just didn't work for me because Mm -hmm. there wasn't any time for it but it was made up for the fact by their friday night lights parody being really solid oh god jerry burns's coach (laughs) was so good just it's just it's so like that was one of my favorites yes glitch perfect not for the glee stuff the glee stuff was good but for for the coach stuff, and I, I was really enjoying the quality of the performances that we were getting, especially from Rashida Jones, Jerry Burns, mm-hmm. in The Force Wakes yes. Up and in Glitch Perfect, and a couple of the other ones, too, of just the way that the specifics in their performance to really key yep. into those, you know, like... <laughs> Again, Jerry Burns as Miranda Bailey. Or, or no, he was doing a kind of a combo Miranda Bailey and uh, Cox, Dr. Cox from Scrubs. Yes, yes, And was. Yeah. it was so good. And for me, that was the trouble when we got towards the end of the season and they yes. stopped doing that. It didn't yes. work. It like it re- The season, I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. Anybody involved in Andrew Tribeca listening, good job. Y'all did a very good yeah. job. However, the season kind of went off a cliff for me when clearly there were like some some budget or <laughs> conflict things and Rashida Jones is just not around and Jerry Burns is barely in the episodes. Um, Cannavale is great, actually. I think he works really well here. He's so good here. He's so good. But I still really missed Rashida Jones and also uh, Jerry Burns. Like those are my two. I need them both for it, for it to work. Also, not enough Hoffman. Yeah, no, there's not nearly enough Hoffman. Um, mm-hmm. Not nearly enough Murphy either. There needed to be a lot more Murphy, even mm-hmm. though everything was above his pay grade. Yeah, I wanted uh, to be continually reminded about his the level of his pay and which yeah. things were above and below it. I also wanted yeah. different kinds of doors separating the front and back of the truck. I really yeah. was disappointed when we got away from some of those like touch marks. Um, yes, I was yeah. too. 
Yeah, but but again, I'm now I'm thinking about your the finale and Catherine Hahn. They just had Catherine Hahn there so they could do nothing with her. Yeah. So they could waste her. And it's like, okay, that that's kind of fun. But you know what's more fun is using her. I mean, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse used Catherine Hahn better. Yeah. And I mean, she's so good as a female Dr. Octopus. And yeah. just it's very good. She's also, very if you good. haven't seen Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, sorry about the spoiler. Pay- <laughs> but go yeah, see it. And please pay. pay all the money to go see it because yeah. it's very good. It's very good. Um, yeah, no, it's disappointing that they don't use her for much. But what they give her to do, she does really well mm-hmm. because she's Catherine Hahn and she can do no wrong. Yeah. Um, but I do agree with you that they sort of like fell off a little bit around freezing cold prestige drama behind the scandal opera, mm-hmm. um, in terms of what they were doing. Um, because like that whole infiltrate the genre with the supporting casting just fell out of the script weirdly. Mm-hmm. And I just went, but, but that was a really good thing you guys had going there. Why did that go away? Um, so that was, that was not great. The episode where Rashida Jones just disappears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had a really long dinner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was just like, um, was my response to that. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think that, yeah, I think either there was a time, time constraint or a budget constraint that just kind of impacted things that resulted in it not going. I I have to chalk a lot of it up to just freezing cold prestige drama being filmed on a different location. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that eating up some of their budgets. Yeah, I I suppose. In which case it wasn't worth it. Like, Uh it was, again, we have plenty of praise for that episode, but. Yeah. Like, if it costs you your structure and your lead, yeah. it's not worth it. So, yeah. hopefully, I don't know if it's going to have a season five. I don't know yet if it's been renewed. But if it does come back, I would love if they continue something in this form. Or if they want to try something new, they've shown that they are more than capable of it. Um, but, yeah. But I, I, I need Angie Tribeca. And not face-off Angie Tribeca. Actually, Angie Tribeca, Rashida Jones, should be in the whole season. Yeah, though I did appreciate them putting Taryn Killam in that wig mm-hmm. that was supposed to age up Rashida Jones to be 40 to 50 years old. Um, and I appreciated that that was the extent of what they were going to do with that concept of Angie is now Rashida Jones's age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that yeah. we're going to put her in this like middle-aged woman wig. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the extent of what we're going to do here. Um, I did... S- I appreciated again that they did all of this, but I also ended up sort of missing the cop parody stuff, even though again, I think they realized that they had sort of run that course mm-hmm. that there wasn't like that much more to do, especially as cop dramas have kind of fallen out a little bit to a certain extent out of like the rotation to a certain degree. So doing different sort of genre parodies, um, depending on their execution, um, generally worked really well. Um, so were there any particular other bits that stood out to you in this or particular guest stars uh, that really worked for you? Well, first of all, I I couldn't help but think of NTSF SDSUV. Sorry, NTSF yes. colon SDSUV. SD colon colon SUV. No. I'm out of practice. NTSF colon SD colon SUV colon colon. There we go. Um, yeah. And it was sort of like, as I was watching, I was going, oh, they're doing, a, this is really great. 
it also feels like they're ripping off NTSF, SDF, NTSF, SDSUV. And that's unfortunate because that show was also terrific and I had a super good time with it. I wish it had been around for longer. Um, and I think that they, for me, in the first handful of episodes, they balanced those two things well. So it still felt like the cop show with this other stuff in it. Um, but yeah, towards the end of the season, they just kind of completely lost the cop feel and that was i agree that that you know i did kind of miss that uh as for other guest stars um i don't so many of them gave such terrific performances like gillian jacobs like as she's like pouring wine into nothing and then drinking from an empty glass like she was just so so good in like these just moments of absurdity um Dion Cole's episode was very good um and Angelica Houston was a big part of that yes I also loved it's like fashion doesn't really matter and they don't give her the speech they just do the fire that yeah. was that was very good um but the the moments and performances that I that stick out the most to me are not even those ones it is like Jerry Barnes as Coach Taylor. Like that is my favorite part. Or or Rashida Jones as Meredith Grey. Cause she just so captured and not just Ellen Pompeo. Season one, episode one, Ellen Pompeo. I, I need Eliza Coop in my life <laughs> week to week. I have missed her so much. She's terrific in that. Gina Torres, when she shows up, is so good. I miss her so much doing this kind of ridiculous comedy. Um, though apparently that character, her character on Suits is getting a spinoff um, yes. or already has a spinoff. One of those. Um, but I think that, you know, their, their use of these guest stars and, um, I mean, yes, it's cool when the movie stars stop by. I actually am more invested in the TV stars that stop by. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that is, is continues to be terrific. But for me, it comes back to the central ensemble and how good they are together. I like some of the new additions, too. But, um, yeah, Rashida Jones, Jerry Burns. I'm a broken record. How about you? <laughs> oh, I do think that the additional sort of cast is really good. Um, like, um I'm going to butcher her name. Mm-hmm. Um, but the woman who plays uh, Shoals, um, mm-hmm. Andre Vermillion, is just so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and is just like, she's been deadpanning her way through this for a solid um, three, four years now. And it's just, I never get tired of that deadpan. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't. The whole, no, you hang up first. Oh, you did. You did. It was just really good. <laughs> and you could legitimately feel like, a, this is in keeping with Shoals' deadpan, but B, was a little hurt. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> ouch there, yeah. Yeah, a little ouch there. Uh, so I really liked that. Um, like, we mentioned Kanavali, and he's just delightful. Like, again, he's a big reason why, like, Trader Foes is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, is just, like, he's very in it. He's very, very in it. And it's, like... He also just like physically and facially is like perfect for that kind of a that role. kind of Wall Street role. Yeah. So that worked really well. Um Kiersey Clemens oh, who came on Sorry, shout out to the costume and wig department for especially yeah. for Trader Foes. That was the best, yeah. but for all of them. Kiersey Clemens, you're saying? All right, so Kiersey Clemens comes on as their micro expression expert, mm-hmm. which is very cop drama that I appreciated that we shoehorned that in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really liked her on it. But again, I go back to Trader Foes and I go back to her like basic one line in Trader Foes of, I have no context for this reference. <laughs> <laughs> Was very, very funny. Um, so I enjoyed that. 
Um, so I think there was just really solid sort of thing, but I think you're generally really correct in that without Jerry Burns and without Rashida Jones, and particularly without their give and take, mm-hmm. the show loses just like enough that you realize how much of the special sauce is the two of them. Yeah. Well, and, you know, before it was very much uh, Angie and Giles, and yes. they've had different dynamics, but... You know, I think that it what we get here works even better if they yes. use it right, and then they they find that which is so exciting to watch as you know as a viewer and as a critic. But then to see them have that and then give it away, <laughs> it's like, no, come on, what are you doing? What are you, I need you to go back to New Orleans and and meet the or is it Boston and meet uh, the other uh, Jerry Burns's Irish cousin, and then go back to New Orleans and meet his Cajun cousin. And I think yes. some of um, that's you know that fun um was was sort of lost they try to get some of that with the all the french stuff that really didn't work for me as a connecting thread uh and having it come to to such a head in a big way in the last couple episodes i thought also didn't work the explanation oh president carol burnett delightful yes and also just like such a real good name of priscilla philcox is a good name for any character. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Um, like, ha- having them, like, hand wave it. Oh, you were on my team the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't matter. <laughs> right? That's always what they do in Andrew Trebekah. And that, that works. But um, I hope that they can either get a little... It was, like, it, it was too convoluted. It needed to either be more convoluted and okay. ridiculous... <laughs> Or it needed to be less. And I think yeah. like they didn't, for me at least, it didn't quite hit the right level with that part of it. And mm-hmm. because that was such, and that was also when Rashida Jones wasn't around as much. And, 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 uh, and you know, so that, that affected it too. But yeah, I, I was ready to, to be talking about how this would have been in my top 20, definitely, at the beginning of the season. And then later that same day when I finished the season that I definitely spent New Year's Day watching, <laughs> um, I, I was like, okay, never mind, never mind. Uh, and that's a, that's a bit of a shame. Yeah, it would have ended up like doing a lot of really solid like guest star appearances. Like just again, that Angelica Houston mm-hmm. is so good and pure. Um, and also like one of my favorite bits, I think, was the whole obsession with John Nance Gardner and mm-hmm. Skylar Colfax was really good. And also clearly someone just Wikipediaing vice presidents and then going, wait, both of these men were also Speaker of the House. It's literally the only two things that bond these two men together apart from <laughs> being vice president. They're the, the only two people who have held both of those offices. Mm-hmm. And it's very good. And I appreciate that kind of randomness mm-hmm. to these kinds of shows that they then keep going with. And I really liked that. Um did you figure out that it was a Louisiana Purchase Heist pretty quickly? Oh, well, I mean, once they got to that point, yeah. I didn't okay. figure it out earlier in the season, did you? Um, well, I mean, I figured it out when they said Midwest ter- Midwest acquisition. And I just went, <gasps> and I kept waiting for, like, the big joke to be that Joe Perry's real name was Joe Pierre, which mm-hmm. didn't happen. And yeah. that seems like a wasted opportunity. Yeah, 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 that's true, yeah. <laughs> Or Joe Perrier. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't think of that, but you're right. That would have been more fun. Um, yeah. Just it, just sort of clap. Hire me to write covered. one joke, TV shows. Just one. <laughs> just the one. You only get one. Um, yeah. Well, certainly, uh, I think we enjoyed our time. We would not have watched an entire season in a day <laughs> yeah. if we didn't. Um, uh, 
Uh, would you advise the people to start with the season or does like, cause I watched some of this with my family and they were, I was laughing so much and they mm-hmm. were some of them laughing and other ones just very confused. Um, I guess I would still tell, still tell people to start with season one. Yeah. Yeah. At least start with season one or two. Yeah. Um, you definitely need to watch season three before you watch season four, just for <laughs> some of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's still it's still very good and still very entertaining. I laughed a lot, especially in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, and there isn't wish- another comedy that feels quite like this right now, right? That's the other thing is like this kind of really, really well executed parody comedy just isn't on really, and it's probably on like Adult Swim somewhere in some time slot mm-hmm. in some capacity. But I don't watch Adult Swim anymore. So. Yeah. I've aged out of that demographic, Kate. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's just it's just the right kind of dumb, you know, that is yes. just really entertaining. So, yeah. Well, we will be back if Angie Tribeca comes back for season five. I feel confident saying. But for now, that wraps up our episode. So we will uh, have a few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can leave us a comment uh, over at theteleverse.org, which is the website for the podcast. You can email us at televerse at gmail.com. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can apparently leave us a comment comment on Libsyn. I didn't know that. And we will read it six months later. We'll read it eventually <laughs> once I realize that's a thing. Um, you can find us on iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. And uh, you can leave us a rating or a review like Zandani. Now, if you leave us a rating or review, please let us know because I won't see it for nine months and change. Um, especially if it's international. Um, but you can also find us on Stitcher and leave us a rating review there. You can, of course, find us both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Thank you for a great week back, Kate. Thank you for a great week back, Noel. And thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. Thank you.